0: You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. This episode of the Self-Made Strategies podcast is brought to you by CollegeCast LLC. At CollegeCast, we empower student voices by helping them to find their voice. Visit collegecastpodcasts.com to check out all the cool podcasts that we're producing with college students, or follow at collegecastpods on social media to check out what we're doing. Welcome to episode 133 of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Tom Stern. Tom was a black sheep in a family of lions. His father was one of the founders of cable television, and his great-grandfather, was a prominent philanthropist and the chairman and CEO of Sears and Roebuck at the turn of the 20th century. Tom grew up as a kid with ADHD and dyslexia, and unfortunately was unable to live up to those lofty expectations. Because of all of that, Tom suffered from extreme anxiety. But as you're going to hear on this episode, that eventually helped Tom to develop his creativity as a jazz musician, as a stand-up comedian, eventually becoming a writer and producer for HBO, a comic strip creator, and helped Tom to eventually find his greatest success in sales. Tom began his sales career as a talent agent for celebrity comedians and then as the president of his own executive search firm. By leveraging what Tom calls sales expression, he has sustained excellence in the business community for over a quarter century. Tom has written a book called Fear Less, Sell More, Find Your Courage, and make millions. Tom's book has a forward written by Jay Leno. It's Tom's goal to help others achieve success in sales and achieve their dreams by overcoming their fears. On this episode, you're gonna hear Tom and I talk a lot about intention and how you can use intention to build courage, how the way that your voice sounds affects the way that you communicate, how you can train yourself or coach yourself to develop a voice that projects more confidence, that helps you to close more sales, and that'll help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Here are the self-made strategies of Tom Stern. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on a Sunday morning, no less. Super cool of you to do that. Um, Awesome background. I was doing a little bit of research, looking into the amazing stuff that you've done now you have a book out called Fear Less, Sell More, right? Find your confidence and make millions. Now, but that's not where your career started. You've been a jazz musician. You've worked on a variety of productions, including for HBO. You've done stand-up comedy. How did that all come together? I know as as in your early life, you, you struggled with ADHD and dyslexia, and we can talk a little bit about how you overcame those challenges as well. But how did you get from that, from those challenges to begin with, to becoming a jazz musician and stand-up comedian? (laughs)
1: Tony, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be here early on a Sunday morning. And uh, so uh, glad to be here today. Um, You asked a bunch of questions, good interviewers do, because they're curious, and I'll do my best to answer them. How I got from a addled, conflicted, neurologically compromised child to the magnificent man I am today, I have no (laughs) real idea. But I will tell you that I still have a lot of challenges. And the good news is I welcome them now as learning opportunities. And I don't mean I welcome them every second, but a lot of times that's the place I end up. And If you want to find courage, eliminating negative, self-pitying, victim-driven responses is a great way to take a first step. Because if something becomes a lesson, it engages an openness and and a call to action. And courage is nothing more on one level to a call for action and then the willingness to execute it. My story is that I was. Look, I'm never going to complain about being born into this powerful family with all of these material assets and status and connections, all of which I took none adv- no advantage of. By the right.
0: way, right, and that's because your your father was one of the founders of cable television, yes. and then you had a, a grandfather who was a prominent philanthropist and the CEO of Sears.
1: Yes. So I come from business royalty. He was actually the great-grandfather. but And uh, there are, I think, some advantages in the sense that I, they could afford schooling, they could afford therapists, <laughs> uh, various treatments, <laughs> um, but none of which really helped. But there were some real problems for a kid like me because I came off the Rolls-Royce assembly line like a clown car with three wheels, and was like, oh, he, oh, he, oh. "Hi mom, hi dad," oh, he, oh, he, oh. and uh, they just covered their eyes and and prayed that it I would go away on some level. But they loved me as best they could, and they were good people. But they were ill equipped, and schools were ill equipped to teach me, and so I lived a life of nonstop anxiety. How will I perform? how will I survive, can I make friends, which was difficult because I was different. And the first thing that I'll tell you that relates to where I am is that I withdrew into uh, fantasy. I used to rock on my bed, it's called auto soothing. It's, it's where you try to regulate your um, sympathetic nervous system by rocking. It's why moms will, or dads will rock their infant. And it's a sad image of me, but it's all I had. My parents were out all the time at fancy parties. And um, in that world, I went into a dream world of rocking and imagining succeeding and all the amazing things I could do. And that kept me alive, my imagination. And I encourage people to use their imagination to create courage. And you might ask, how do you do that, Tom? By the way, everybody, when you see me leaning in, it's because there's a microphone down here. I'm not davening. <laughs> if
0: this you're if you're watching Orthodox, this on, on YouTube, I mean, this uh, uh, Tom Jewish Tom thing. is right now bowing to me. If you're watching on our yeah, YouTube well, I channel, yeah, So <laughs> but that's true as well. Just kidding, just kidding.
1: To the um, God of Tony, <laughs> to Tony and all he represents.
0: Um, Sunday morning podcast. an award after you. The Tony Award. That's right. Absolutely. It was, you it was very honored. It was um, a different Tony. There are many of us, believe it or not. Uh, but, um, unfo- Oh really? Yeah. Just different guy. I thought
1: you were the guy.
0: Uh, not, I not met this Oscar
1: one. the other day. What a nice guy. A little bit conceited about the whole Academy Award thing. But, I'm also, you know, still.
0: I'm also frequently confused with the three Tonys, Tony, 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 of course. And, and I'm yes. neither of those either. Okay. I'm not any right, of those same
1: humor, but, um, and I started it, so I'm to blame. All right. So, basically, um, how can you use imagination to ignite courage? Uh, for me, and I'm speaking for the lessons that work for me, sometimes I have made myself the hero in my own story. Let's talk about cold calling. It's something that a lot of salespeople are nervous about. Who's gonna be on the other end of the line? I'm invading their space, how will they treat me? Or even a hopelessness, is it another failed attempt? Um, And if it's not a cold call, it's a first call, it's an introductory call. Anything that is new where you are exposed or feel exposed. Now, if I look at it all of those ways, I can use my imagination to create catastrophe, which is sometimes called catastrophizing. But I believe in heroizing. So if I am the hero in my story, and I am bucking all the odds, no one thought he could do it. They thought he was going to be a loser and a failure. Tom Stern, the hyperactive, in the new movie Ritalin, coming to you (laughs) at a theater near, near you. Tom Stern, a failure. His parents... Turned their noses at him. People mocked him. And then he suddenly became a salesman. He found his strength. He's ready to make the phone call. And nobody realizes the talent, the energy, the capacity. for. And I would do that. And I would turn it into this incredibly inspiring message to myself. I would energize myself. And one, it got me off my butt. Two, it created a positive adrenaline not a fight or flight, it engaged my imagination, my hippocampus, which is uh, triggered by it and, uh, or triggers it, and um, I would f- move forward. And here's the interesting thing about being having courage. Most people are not in a state of courage. Some can't find it ever, others can, but maybe not at that moment. So if you show up to life with courage, you have a tremendous advantage. You're you're giving it your all, and you're talking to people who are going through a quotidian, routinized, daily experience, and they're just trying to get through the day, and you're enlivened. So what i found is not everybody, but a lot of people like that breath of fresh air, that energy from somebody who seems inspired. Now, that's not enough to fear less, but it's a good start. So I had to find my courage and I found it initially through imagination. The next thing that happened, and all of these in my book are addressed through a story. The next thing that happened was um, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, Kids made fun of me because I talked too much and I had like little ticks and weird things. I was always adjusting my pants and mm-hmm. just strange stuff because I was so nervous. Um, I discovered the human voice. Now, what do you mean, Tom? Well, what is this a story of? Is this Helen Keller going water when you know they put the water off the fountain and she made the connection between a word and the... No. That's not what it is. We all, most of us, hopefully have our human voice, but we don't, we see it as a utility. I want to say something. I energize a resonance in my face and throat. I project air and sound. Ah, what a limited view of the human voice. It is a paintbrush. It is uh, an opera. It is a great actor on stage delivering Hamlet. But We don't tend to realize that. The reason I stepped into that early was I was observing a lot of things and listening to a lot of things because I was isolated. You know, I used to joke that my imaginary friend wouldn't play with me. I want to talk about rejection. So I observed the human voice and I started to play with my own voice like a toy. Because I had ADD, I would break toys. I had no patience. I would get a An airplane to glue it together, I'd smash it within two minutes. And so I would start, I started to imitate human voices. And the first one was Louis Armstrong, who maybe the earlier generations don't know, Sachmo, the inventor of jazz, arguably, uh, here in the United States, certainly the greatest promulgator and promoter of it. And he was on Broadway on a show called Hello, Dolly and he sang this song that was a number one hit called Hello Dolly, and he had a very gravelly voice. I found out later some of that had to do with non-stop use of cannabis, but at that time I was not aware. And I had a cold one day, and I was playing with my voice, and I always heard him on the radio, and I started to get Louis Armstrong. And here's what happened to me and how it engaged my imagination. First of all, it was fun to manipulate my voice. It was like an elevator I would go up and down, or a car where I would change gears. Tonality is fascinating. But when I got his voice, I I felt like I had a little bit of him. And he was loved, outgoing, charismatic, all the things that I seemed to lack. And in those moments, I felt emboldened. I found further courage. Now, am I suggesting that everybody learn impressions? No, although it's fun to even experiment, even if you don't get them right. But what I discovered was that changing my voice could change my mood, could engage my imagination and affect others. Now, I will warn you, if you learn an imitation and you're about to unveil it, you should warn people because they may be startled So when I was eight years old and my mother one morning asked me if I wanted pancakes, I went, oh, yeah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, she dropped the pancakes, called the pediatrician and said, my son believes he's a uh, black jazz musician. What do I do? And he was a good guy. He said, does he play weddings? And that was the end (laughs) of the conversation. But she really panicked. You know, it's like the exorcist. Is he possessed? And I explained to her that I was playing with my voice. So the human voice was something that I discovered and I, and I fell in love with the sound of my own voice. Now, <laughs> there's some real problems with that. Uh, not on a podcast where you say, Tom, talk for a couple of hours. Right, but of course. elsewhere right, in right. life, being in love with your own voice is a problem. But as a tool for what I call sales expressiveness, it's a massively impactful instrument And so many people who communicate, salespeople or not, stay in a certain range, either out of fear, lack of mindfulness, or awareness. They don't have a high level of expression, what I call expressive octaves, like a singer. And they can't realize what talking up here does, which kind of neuters you and makes you sound anxious and nervous, and nobody's going to follow you, and you won't have any influence, or how this can be helpful at certain moments. And how a very natural voice can be helpful and a really positive voice. And so although we do these things naturally, most of us, imagine if you understood the mechanics and when you were nervous or when you felt cut off, you could go to those energies and tones like a banister walking down a stairs when you're maybe losing your footing. You can grab it to create a mood, to fake it till you make it. And That's another way to find courage is through connecting with the power of the human voice. I think you asked me 12 questions. I've answered (laughs) one in typical fashion. It's taken me half the show. So what I'm really saying is to try and wrap this up, I had these negative experiences. To survive, I engaged parts of myself. And those later became a training ground. Jazz was all about hearing polyphonic music, rapid note change, and singing along with Charlie Parker. So, you know, you had a white Jewish 12-year-old kid walking around going, and people went, could you please go somewhere else? I don't want to spend any more time with you. But I, you know, played with the elasticity of sound. I played with the tone of his instrument and again was training myself. In stand-up, I challenged myself to the ultimate rejection. Oh, well, there are worse rejections, but it's pretty bad when you stand in front of a crowd and after two jokes they don't find amusing, they're literally going, why are you here? Right. Right. Why do you exist? Why did I pay for two drinks and a cover to listen to you, you unfunny idiot? And that's not all it was. the moment There, there were moments of glory. But f- sensing a room when the stakes are that high and trying to find material that creates common ground, things they could identify with, helped me later with rapport building. Mm-hmm. Humor is right. a great way to diffuse tension. And I really honed listening, sensing. Somebody comes on a phone, I can sense their mood, their character, and probably their position and attitude within about 15 seconds. I'm not always right, but I'm right enough to be successful. So all of these experiences, as I, like um, an ADHD person, bounced from career to career, right. more like a chimpanzee jumping from branch to branch, right. trying to climb the tree. I stumbled into sales at 33 years old. Well, I'd been an agent, but that was more like having lunch all the time and selling between bites. Right. I mean, going to a boiler room where they snapped a headset on you, gave you a directory and went, sell and sell all day long, make me money. And as scared as I was, I'd been preparing for that moment my whole life. I just didn't realize it. And so bouncing around each place, successful, less than successful, uh, producer at HBO, right. you know, all these other things, I developed these muscles and they gave me courage and they gave me consciousness and they opened up a world of communication that gave me a terrific advantage when I was speaking to people to influence them.
0: Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to the Self-Made Strategies podcast. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please go back to wherever you're listening to our show, give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star review, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Now back to the show.
1: So let's see, how long was that answer? (laughs) <laughs> I'm one of the few people that my answers require an intermission.
0: Yeah, I think it was, no, I think that it was, was just the, first just the, the right amount of time, just the right amount of time, it's perfect. All right. Now, so let's. what was your, first of all, what instrument did you play as a musician, and do you still play at all?
1: Okay, so I studied guitar for five years, actually it was three years, and after three years when I could not really play chords... <laughs> um, you know, uh, the teacher gently, as a joke, because we were friends, said, have you thought of the kazoo? <laughs> and I I actually was confident that I could learn the kazoo, because, you know, you can give it to a fish, right. and when it exhales right. on land, It'll you'll get some kind of yeah. a sound. Right. But um, I I said, look, he was always encouraging. I said, I have no talent with my hands, but you have me sing all these solos, and I can scat sing and remember them. and." So I became a scat singer. And, uh, you know, I did occasional clubs. I was nothing to screech about. But I, again, it was more the learning and the fun and the creative participation. That was uh, a positive experience.
0: Well, it, it's interesting that a, a lot of the stuff in your answer, and obviously it was it was a long answer, so there's a lot in there as well for us to to play with.
1: In fairness to me, you asked about seven questions. I did, I did.
0: Question. I admit, I admit that was uh, that was a little bit overwhelming, but you handled it well. Uh, oh, truly, thank you. truly like a jazz improv, improv um, <laughs> musician. So, but it, it's interesting because one of the prior guests on this show was Natalie Nixon, who wrote a book called The Creative Leap. And or the Creativity Leap. She wrote a book called The Creativity Leap. And in that book, she talks about how um, entrepreneurs often are like jazz musicians in that they need to learn to improvise with their creativity. So it's interesting that you that you have that background in that it, it's kind of influenced um, a lot of your career. Uh, One of the things I found really, really interesting that you touched on, though, was how imagination helps you to sort of bolster your courage by kind of putting you in these different places and allowing yourself to play like like child Tom, right? Going back to, to your early adolescence, where you just gave yourself that ability to create a character, so to speak, through these voices, and through um, impersonation to allow yourself to overcome some of these challenges that you had. I thought that was really, really interesting and kind of a, a practical approach to what we're constantly bombarded with it, which is if you have a positive attitude, you're going to get more positive outcomes and all of those things. But often when we talk about positivity as a society, I guess, there isn't really practical advice. Go try this or go play in this space to Build up those positivity muscles, if you will. But as you said, using your voice and using sort of the the energies of the different wavelengths of resonance, you know, and and how those things affect the way that you come off to people, and inevitably on maybe a subconscious level, the way that you come off to yourself and therefore act. Uh, I thought was really interesting those two two main points. Really, really cool. Well,
1: you, gosh, you said so much there. And the creative link sounds like a book I should get and everyone should get after they get Fearless.
0: Of course. You buy them as a tandem. I think Amazon should do do one of those. You know, you're thinking about buying the add. add both to cart would be a good idea. Okay.
1: That's I'm willing to go along. The creativity leap is, is, is Uh, a good book. What I was going to, what I was thinking to say is I agree with you and thank you for the encouraging words. Um, the human voice is not only pragmatic, it's um, it's fun, and it actually, in tuning into it, it will calm your nervous system. So let me explain. Um, when I was an actor, and I got this big part in a play that I think, looking back, I didn't do as well as I could have. It was, it was too young. But I created this voice for a 60-year-old general, and I... Uh, I came on stage and in, in uh, Waltz of the Torridors, and when 1865, when we became overwhelmed by the enemy, I, and and so I I told the director, I said, you know, I think when I'm on stage doing that voice, I'm not afraid, and I believe, and I gave him this psychobabble. I'm able to hide behind the voice, and they don't see me. And since they don't see me, then I feel safe. If they reject the the, my performance, they're really rejecting the voice that isn't me. And, and he listened with a wry smile and said, that's all, that's all crap. <laughs> he said, the reason you're relaxed when you do that voice is you're focusing on doing that voice. You're not thinking about, do they like me? Am I bombing? Will I remember my lines? So tuning into your voice and your capacity to express becomes a point of focus. Not how am I going to pay my mortgage? Oh my God! I think this can't. This uh, client is going to go away. You stay in the moment. I almost my analogy. If I leave some women out who don't like football or guys, is the quarterback in the pocket? If he's so focused on the routes, the defenses, the zones, the position of his arm, his balance, his legs, his footwork, he can sense but not be overwhelmed by all of the extraordinarily violent, aggressive people who want to crush him as he's in the pocket scanning the field. And in a way, in a less violent world, but one sometimes filled with as much fear, we can do the same in communication if we are really centered on what we're expressing. And then we can start receiving what they're expressing and instead of it being bad news or good news, judging it, we're part of an expression process. Mm. And if you love that process and you become great at it, the results will come. And the obsession with the result uh, attenuates and thins the connection to the process.
0: Now, what about in the context of being really—how how do you, in essence, feather the throttle, for, to use another analogy and really load this up? But um, how do you feather the throttle in the sense that you're paying attention when you're talking to somebody else? We'll, we'll get to, by the way, what sales expression is in, in a little bit, because we want to talk about that with you, obviously. But when you're talking to other people, obviously, you have to be actively listening, right? You have to be listening to what they're saying to be able to engage with them on another level. And good communication skills come not from focusing on ourselves, but from focusing on what the other individual is talking about. And in essence, they're your target audience in the moment. And if you give them what they want, they're going to think you're the best person on the planet, which is talking about them for the most part. Um, But if you focus on yourself, there's a high likelihood that that conversation is not going to go very well. So how do you or what advice do you give in the sense that you need to focus on your on your inflection and the way that you're using your voice and the impact that it has to your point. And I think it is a good one, but also at the same time, actively listen to the other individual that you're talking about.
1: A or or
0: in the context of a stand-up or a sales presentation. Let's you talk need to sales be rather, rather than stand-up. Yeah, okay. Because
1: um, yep. I didn't do Fear Less, make more people laugh. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, maybe that's my next book. That's but the I don't follow-up. Think so. So, so anyway, sequel, yeah. um, well, it's a great question. And I have a two-part answer because I'm Tom Stern. It's never simple. So the first part is to directly answer your question. Everything that you do with yourself exploring, expanding, mindfully being aware of your expression, you now turn and do for the other person. Because what is listening? Are you listening for information? And what information are you not only listening to, but are you experiencing? So I, I've had regurgitation where, oh, uh, I've had it with my wife. Are you listening to me? <laughs> and I can go, Absolutely. You said, we have to be there at noon. We can't stay there long. I want us to go shopping. I told you to do this and you need to start doing it. And I love you, but today I'm pissed. And I can regurgitate everything she just said. And what I've noticed is it doesn't help. She doesn't feel that I've listened really because she wants to be heard. People want to be seen because that's the collateral of the currency of connection. And everything in communication is either about connection and to what degree or lack of connection. It is binary in that sense. So I'm listening to what is their expression? Where is their pain? Where is their confidence? Where is their vocal range? Um, Are they opening up to me? Are they mistrustful of me? What are their intentions? Are they pushing me away? Are they bringing me forward? Are they lifting me up? Are they pushing me down? Anton Chekhov built an entire... um, Michael Chekhov, the cousin of Anton Chekhov, the playwright, built a whole acting technique on the psychophysical. They were physical and vocal exercises around basic intentions of human communication. So you have so much to listen to. Once you start listening, it's endless because you're receiving their expression. And that then the great thing about this, it's not just success, it's a sumptuous meal as opposed to the anorexia and starvation of fear. Fear makes life narrow and without nuance and romance. Expression and process makes life endlessly fascinating. And so when you get into that process, of expressing and receiving, expressing, you can connect. But I wanted to say in the two part, you can talk about yourself, but with intention. I intend to entertain when I talk and tell stories, share information, and what I find, be transparent and open. Find relatable things in the moment about yourself to share because once you go first, they may follow with their story their problem they had. So you can lead through sharing. Uh, If it's truly sharing, if it's pontificating, if it's being a blowhard, all of these are mistakes I've made, uh, then you create a wall. So how do you create a river between you and someone else without a moat and without defense, but shared mission? That's the goal of fearing less and selling more Simon & Schuster Publishing, available now online.
0: (laughs) And there'll be a link in the show notes, of course, so that uh, people can go right to Amazon or wherever else you can find your book to pick that up. I'll also put a link to your website, which has plenty of information on the book as well. Uh, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about sales expression, which is what all of this eventually turns into and comes from your book, right? This concept of sales expression. So what is sales expression and how can people use it to be more effective in their entrepreneurial journey? Well,
1: I'll give you a simple one right away. When you get good at receiving other people's expression and you develop confidence, which I have after many years, you can start telling people what you see. What do I mean and why is that a good thing? If you have enough trust and you have to find the right time and the right person, but you'll be amazed how many people want to be seen, I can say, uh, let's see, what would I say about you? Um, This isn't a great example because I've been doing all the talking, but um, I would say, First of all, you've demonstrated a sense of humor. You have an easy smile. You have a very good grasp of language. You've made a number of analogies that are highly visual, uh, feathering a throttle. Um, So you're a creative person uh, on some level. I don't know if you're creative outside of this but if you were with hobbies or other pursuits you've had in your life, I would not be surprised. You're not a straight corporate individual. You like connection. You've probably done this podcast, not to be famous, although I'm not suggesting you wouldn't enjoy that, but because you really like talking to people. Yeah. And you're truly curious. Yeah. Okay. True. Now that's not incredibly insightful, but that's an example of it. I have talked to executives Um, and uh, by the way, I've completely forgotten your question. That's ADHD. <laughs> I'm now just talking. I, well, I I, I'm on my subject. I, this, I, I, I have no idea what you're
0: Listen, the, the listeners at this point know that I'm all that, about the tangents. We just go down whatever uh, path uh, and okay. let it well, go. So good. it's all good. Uh, no, I like where I, you're going. I mean,
1: I know it's related to your question, yeah. but- for The all, question I mean, was
0: what what we were steering into sales expression and how people can use it in their entrepreneurial Oh, people being journey. seen. No, right.
1: I, I was talking about when they express. Right. Right. What's the power of that? Right. Right. But I've been on the phone with people and said, you know, I know we've only been talking for five minutes, but here's my sense of you. Um, you're a person who doesn't, oh, and you generally say positive things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't say, my sense is you're on the spectrum for a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you think about murdering people, even if you have, those are not insights you're going to necessarily want to share. Right. Maybe much later in the relationship, right, right. you might find an opening. You never know. But um, you generally will say, I, I sense that you don't lead with your ego. Um, you seem to be somebody who uh, is, has an internal confidence. You're not the kind of person who's going to have to brag. You do the work, and you want to work with people who are oriented the same. And I'll give another f- a few examples. Why? Well, their tone, their words, uh, the way they spoke to me was inclusive it wasn't particularly self-centered. It wasn't hypercharged the way a promoter personality is, um, and they go, "Yeah, that is me. That's uh, that's good. Yeah." And so I go, "Well, you know, I sense this about you, and then, and I like working with people like you. You don't have to lie. Find things that are true that lubricate the connection, um, and you'll you'll find it isn't that hard once you're in the process. So seeing other people." by reading their expression, playing it back to them in a cogent and and concise way uh, builds rapport and builds credibility. People feel like he could be a trusted advisor. He sees me. And it demonstrates curiosity and honesty because you're saying things you believe and you're
0: sharing them. So that's, you know, one example. And so how does this now then build into converting into business success, if you will, right? So I get how you lubricate the conversation. You create trust, immediate trust, in essence, right? You're creating quick trust, building trust quickly. And I think part of that, from what you were saying, is that you do have to be genuine, right? Because ultimately- as you were saying very early in this conversation, that your voice, your, the, the way that it resonates, will inevitably, maybe even on a subconscious level, reflect what you have going on internally, right? So it goes both ways. In other words, if you learn to control your voice, in essence, to shift your mood and your feeling and your emotional state, you, you can change things, but it also goes the other way, where if you're not being truthful with someone your voice is going to tend to maybe go a little quicker and and pick up in, in pitch a little bit. and Or,
1: or right. sound false. Right. Uh, great. You're, you're getting it right away. Uh, this is not about artifice. It's about breadth of expression and connecting it to an intention, which brings me to the next point in my lecture. <laughs> I have a chapter in the book that connects to sales expression in this regard. I've created a construct that in some ways is derivative because the term inner has been used by many people, psychologists and others, the inner child, for example. But I came up with this concept called the inner corporation. I I made it corporate because I'm dealing with business people. And the idea here is if you can both integrate, which I'll talk about later, but compartmentalize all the parts of yourself and really be clear when you're using those parts, your chief promoter officer. So I'll give you an example. I'm, you, I go into promotion mode with somebody and we do as salespeople. So I, I engage my chief promoter officer. I will sometimes say, okay, I hope you're sitting down. I'm gonna start selling. So I, I let them know the curtain is going up. I identify for them the part of myself and then I'm so focused and connected with the intention of that promoter, which is to excite them, to show my confidence in what I'm providing, to give examples that that confidence is built upon, to know my product, my service, to have a story or two that demonstrates success. Um, and it's all, it's, it's so much easier. You know, they talk about memorizing huge, long uh, monologues. Mm-hmm. You break them into beats. You know the first beat is I'm welcoming the person. The next, and then each section. But you memorize the thoughts, and you can memorize ten pages uh, much more easily. It's the same with your personality. You're not as confused. You're you're going to these sections of yourself, and you're leveraging them at appropriate moments. I I will leverage my prosecutor, the chief prosecutorial person. Somebody's not making sense. They're confused. They may be unnecessarily uh, obliterating something we're working on. Mm. And I begin to question them. Um, I'm, I must question your logic on this, Joe. Uh, if you remember earlier, you told me you were looking for X, Y, and Z. But now you're telling me the opposite. Has there really been a change? Has the process confused you? What is, you know, and I'm bearing down a little bit on them. And I'm asking them to be accountable, introspective, you know, that's another part of the sales expression but the corporate entity organization houses all these different pieces mm-hmm. and they become like levers that you pull so easily and effortlessly so smoothly that you can be highly effective
0: interesting so maybe on a subtextual level here what we're really talking about is practicing things a lot like a stage actor or performer that you as you've alluded to so that you you understand also the feeling within yourself becoming more self-aware becoming more focused on what does my voice say about what i'm feeling on an emotional energetic level for example getting a little metaphysical here i guess uh but what does my voice say about what i'm experiencing internally and how do I use that effectively in conversation? So if I know that my chief um, prosecutorial officer is starting to pop up based on you know my my emotions based on what I feel energetically in my body and what what I am hearing from my own voice, I know, okay, this is where we're going. Let me shift my thought process in that direction so that I can be more effective in my communication.
1: Well, first of all, I have to make a comment about you and it's complimentary but it it's analytic. I'm I don't know if you're conscious of this but a part of yourself that you seem to use and see notice I use the word seem. I never want to sound like I know or I'm dogmatically telling you who you are. Little words and I've learned this from writing go a long way. You do a lot of recapitulation. Hmm. You play back what I say maybe in in part to Help the audience, maybe to um, kind of recapitulate so we can move forward. That's a technique you've used a few times. It's a very valuable technique in communication. Mm. So let me answer now after that real time. Example quick, of quick quick sidebar. And you. My
0: my wife might disagree with you, but just saying. Really? Well, in this context. <laughs> right, in this context, um, you're right. Maybe, maybe we need to bring marital communication onto the podcast. That's maybe my, that's my next
1: book. Fearless, <laughs> they don't get divorced. Anyway, um,
0: but you can take this
1: as far as you want. So you mentioned being an actor and the different parts of yourself. I encourage people to Examine, write to whatever degree their life story, and in it discover not only what the parts of themselves are, but what the root causation was and what it means. So let me give one example. I have relied tremendously on my chief uh, uh, promotional officer. Uh, it's a strength of mind I've mm-hmm. discovered that over time. I have what I and I employ what I call Paul Revereism which is you know, uh, the urgency, the passion, the sense of importance that he brought saying, the British are coming, the British are coming, right? So um, what's the causation of my promoter? Why? Why is it so strong? What does it mean? How can it get me in trouble? But let's talk about the positives. I know exactly why I have a strong promoter. When I was young in a family that required achievement and excellence and I could do neither, Um, I became friends with, just by happenstance, people who were highly accomplished. My oldest and best friend, that oldest friend of 60 years, uh, Steve Miller, was a tennis protege and was winning tournaments by the age of eight years old. Uh, Justin Delagio's father was a great composer, Norman, and he could play Mozart uh, little concerts at five years old. My brother, Nicky, was the best athlete in our school, a handsome class president, okay. I couldn't talk about my accomplishments, you know? Hey, I've cut down on Ritalin. I'm taking 50% less now. Way to go, Tom. <laughs> Stern, Stern, <laughs> Stern, Stern, Stern. You know, um, hey, I got to see this month. Wow, that's great, Tom. But I could talk about them. Oh, you've got to come to hear Norman Dele- uh, Justin Delajoy, who's amazing. Stevie Miller, my friend, you should see his two-handed backhand, my brother. And it was a way of deflecting away from me and it also gave me something to talk about in a world and in a value system that was so based on achievement. And I participated by proxy. So as a survival mechanism, hmm. promoting people and things and ideas was how I survived. So now when I promote, I can go to any level I want because I have I understand the nerve endings the the root where the muscles hit the nerve and how to pop it or gently massage it to create the energy and enthusiasm that has been with me my whole life. And so that's an example of understanding that strength. I also have to manage it and go, Tom, you're not seven years old. These people do think you have credibility. Don't oversell. Watch it. So you're always surfing. You're always balancing between the id, which wants, 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 the ego, which says no one will destroy me, and the superego that says you're in a society. You've got to function with other people. You have to have a moral code. So I I didn't mean to go Freudian on you, but, you know. So uh, anyway, I think I've answered the question. And if I haven't, hopefully it's been interesting anyway.
0: It has. No, this was an amazing conversation. And again, the book is Fear Less, Sell More, Find Your Courage and Make Millions. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and at TomSternCentral.com. We'll post links to all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you're looking to check out Tom's book, just go to where you listen to this podcast and check it out in the show notes. Tom, this was incredible. I really felt like we had a really cool discussion about something that's talked about frequently, but in a very unique perspective that you've come up with, this is awesome, awesome stuff.
1: well, I would like to finish this by complimenting you. It's always good to compliment people when you mean it. Um, you create a wonderful environment. You have an easy smile. You're very unthreatening. Obviously, you're intelligent and communicative and articulate. But there's a real curiosity and desire to explore a topic. i um and so, you know, you you made it easy for me. Thank you.